Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Well, Edwin, what are you doing here? I mean the same thing I'm doing here every day. What are you doing here, buddy? Well, buddy, I just thought I'd plop down here in front of this microphone. We could have ourselves a Bible conversation. You want to have a Bible? Con- well, what do you want to talk about today? I'm feeling it's Wednesday. It's uh, October 7th, 2020, the year of our Lord, 2020. Let's talk about Psalm 6. Sure, sure. I'll read it again. This time I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed, and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness, for there is no mention of you in death. In Sheol, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back. They will suddenly be ashamed. So we've been talking about this psalm this week and seeing David uh, aware that God is angry, aware that he is suffering some type of consequences right now to make that anger quite obvious. Um, and it's been going on a while. Yeah. How long? How, how long? long? And and not only does he say how long, but then he even talks about how, how it's been going on so long it's affecting him physically, it, you know, the, yeah. the drowning of his bed and the tears right. and all of that. So it's I been guess, going on for a while. In the reading today, that's what jumped out at me, this idea that he, he can't sleep at night. He's crying all of the time. Mm. Uh, just, a, a, you know, a picture of distress. But he understood that he, has, he had one option. Even though God was angry at him, he could turn to God to find the grace that would produce deliverance. And what grabs my attention is the reason David knew he had that option. Mm-hmm. The reason David was aware that he had that option was because of your loving kindness. So earlier we were talking about how there's some things said about God in the Bible that are quite sobering to us, like God is angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's other things that are just so wonderful, can't hear enough about it, like his loving kindness. Well, here's what's fascinating to me on that. And that is, I think today in our culture, we get shocked to hear that God gets angry. Hmm. Or like you mentioned in, uh, I think it was Monday's conversation about God being a jealous God, which I'm sure we'll talk about that sometime. It's in there. it, It is in there. It is in there. I think what shocked the folks when this was first written, what would have shocked the world to hear about is a God who loves them. I think that's a great point. These pagan deities, these idols, they're fickle. They're, you know, just like people with their intrigues and and their jealousies. And to think that one of them would be gracious when they are angered and upset. Uh, that Boy, that just doesn't go along with those old gods. To the, think that the reason that any god would act toward us the way he does because he actually loves me. Mm. Rather than I am his toy, his tool, his plaything. I am, you know, I had a bad day, so I kicked the dog. 
you know, I had a bad day, so I kicked the human. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> no, no, no. God responds because of love. David understands I can go seek mercy and grace because of loving kindness, because of steadfast love. I, I know the New American Standard says loving kindness. I remember the ESV said steadfast love. Do you remember what yours said in that? In it's that particular mercies, book? your mercy's sake. For your four. mercy's sake. Yeah. Here's the thing about this. This is an actual reference, I believe, back to God's own name. Mm. Way back in Exodus, Mm -hmm. after Israel had at Mount Sinai gone into idolatry and Moses is interceding on their behalf and he asks God, show me your glory. Mm. And so God passes by, covers him up in the cleft of the rock. And when he does that in Exodus chapter 34, about verses five through eight, it says that the Lord descended, stood with him there and there proclaimed to Moses his name. And the proclamation is the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, who will by no means clear the guilty, Mm -hmm. visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, the children's children of the third and fourth generation. And what God told Moses in that day is, hey, I've I've talked to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I never introduced myself by name. I think we make a mistake of thinking that what he's saying there is that they never heard Yahweh. Until right now, Moses, nobody's ever heard Yahweh. And then people get upset about finding Abraham and Isaac and Jacob calling him Yahweh in Genesis. They think it's a big contradiction. I don't think that Yahweh is saying up until this moment, nobody's ever heard Yahweh before. Up until I met you, nobody ever heard the I am. I think what he's saying is until what we're going through right now, nobody, I had never revealed myself with what my name means. When I say I am the I am, the Yahweh, the significant one, he proclaims his name and he doesn't just shout out Yahweh. So this is what it means to be who I am. It means slow to anger, but abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And so David, David takes God at his word. God said, this is who I am. I am the God of steadfast love. Mm-hmm. I am the God of, yes, I will by no means clear the guilty, but I am the God of steadfast love. And so I forgive iniquities and transgressions and sins. And so David, when he knows that God is angry at him, mm-hmm. he turns to God for mercy and grace, which by the way, fits what was happening with Moses when he heard this name, because God was angry with Israel and had every right to be. Yeah, absolutely. They had just gone through this covenant ceremony and Israel had said, yes, we will do everything you just said. They had heard the Ten Commandments, one sure, of which was, "Sure, don't make idols. <laughs> Moses is gone for a couple of weeks and what do they do? Yeah. They make an idol. Or one just popped right out of the fire. Or it just popped right out of the fire, at least as, <laughs> as Aaron would like. But what Moses is doing is show me your glory. And the glory of the Lord is steadfast love, forgiving iniquity. And so David understands, I can go find this grace because that's who my God is. One of the blessings we've talked about is God has chosen this people, this covenant people. I will be their God. They will be my people. When we come to the New Testament, we find that through Jesus Christ, we can be the people of God. In fact, not even uh, a people as far as a nation, but even family, children of God, sons and daughters of God through Christ. And we are to be like 
our Father in heaven. And so when we see this capacity for loving kindness and mercy shown to enemies, uh, that's a great lesson to us and I think honestly a challenge to us yes, to follow in his steps. In Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 43, Jesus taught, You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Mm. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. To be complete and to be complete like our Father, we have to learn to be steadfast in love and in mercy and to love even our enemies mm. and isn't this consistent with what we were talking about uh, was it yesterday two days ago we were talking about jonah and we were talking about how jonah knew that even god in his anger would relent and be merciful and nineveh was pagan people these were not the covenant people these were enemies of god but this is the way of god his loving kindness, his mercy extends even to his enemies. As, as I piece this together, going back to Exodus 34, moving ahead to Matthew, as you've brought it up, I think this, this gives us a little package here, and that is that the reason God loves like this is because it is who God is. It is his name. It is his nature. Yeah. He does not love because of something about you and me. He loves because of something about him. Mm, that's so powerful. And that's because I, I think we, we mentioned this yesterday as we were talking about how hard it is to be gracious while you're angry. One of the things I think about is it's hard for me to love someone when I'm angry. I hate to admit this. But I have to admit that when it comes to my love, most of the time, I love people most who have done nice things to me. Well, they're easier to love. I mean, I think everyone would agree with that. And, and I, I love people most if I think they can do nice things for me. Well, now you're just on your own there. <laughs> <laughs> You're just wrong for that. No, yes. <laughs> well, I am. I am. I don't think I'm the only one. But, the, no, no, you no, know, no. love is easy. Well, when it's easy. Yeah. And I'll tell you when it's hard is when I'm angry. If mm -hmm. I am angry at you, oh, yeah. I, I have a hard time loving you. Mm -hmm. But that is how amazing God is. He loves even when he is angry. Now, I appreciate what you're saying about tying to the, the essence of God and who he is, the I am, from that disclosure in Exodus, even into the New Testament. First John chapter 4, verse 8, he who does not love does I not know God. To. Go ahead. For go ahead. God. God is love. God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I, that is exactly the passage I was thinking. I, was, I, I didn't know that's where you were turning. I was turning there because I was getting ready to talk when you were done. 
But how great it is that what you wanted to say is what I wanted to say. First John 4, powerful stuff. Here's the word that stands out in my mind there. Sure. It's the word that I've never, I never use it in a sentence except for when I'm preaching. Propitiation? Propitiation. That's a beautiful word. And what a powerful word it is. It needs to be a part of our vocabulary. There's a big debate about what is meant by this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, there's another, you know, 50 cent word that people actually think it means, and that's expiation. Mm-hmm. I don't use that one in a sentence either. No. But we need to understand the difference between these two words. Expiation is the idea of I take away your guilt. Mm-hmm. Propitiation is taking away my anger. Mm. And it is true that what God has done in Jesus Christ is to expiate. He has taken away guilt. He has made us innocent by the blood of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, there is propitiation. He has taken away his anger. If I could just illustrate it very quickly, he's, it might he's be satisfied it, right? He, yeah. he has satisfied his anger. He's done with that. Well, in the middle of his anger, he has done what it takes to get rid of his anger. Yeah. And that's hard for me to do. Yeah. So so here's, you know, I can propitiate without expiating. I can take away my anger with with you still being guilty. Well, well or, he, he, you know, here's the deal. Like you said, in the middle of his anger, he did that. When I'm angry at somebody, I want them to make it right. Yeah. You make it right. You make me not angry at you. Well, so so illustration. Let's say I had done something awful to you. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I borrowed your car and I wrecked the front fender. And now you're thinking, look, you need to make this right. Sure. You need to make this right. Mm-hmm. Expiation would be somebody coming along and saying, hey, I'll pay for that. And they take it down to the, uh, the, the body shop and the fender is fixed and it comes back to you. Now the guilt is removed because it's fixed. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Propitiation might be that you and I are standing there arguing and fussing and fighting. And while you and I are arguing, I happen to notice Owen running out to the road and I see a car barreling down and I stop in the middle of the argument and I go and I scoop up Owen and I save his life. Owen's my son. Owen is your son, yes. I, I'm glad you are aware of that. Um, I just want everyone else to know, who's so, Owen? Why, why would Andrew care about that guy? <laughs> Wait a now, second. All Propitiation. Of a, I'm, still, I'm still guilty of having wrecked the front fender of your car, but all of a sudden you're not angry at me anymore. Yeah. That's propitiation. So I can still be guilty while your anger is gone, hmm. or... Y- y- I can still be. I can be made. Un, I can be made innocent. The, it, the guilt can be taken away while your anger is still there. Those are two separate things. Yeah. What we see is God's done both, and I, this propitiation is a next level kind of love, and it's the kind of love that David is is anchoring his prayer request in. That I know God is angry at me, but I serve a God so gracious and so loving that He will do what it takes. To get rid of his anger. Yeah. He's not, a, he, I can't do it, but he will do it. What a powerful thing. Yeah. A, a, we a need next, to wrap up. A next, a next level love. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm taking that with me today. Uh, what, what are you learning from uh, Psalm 6? Send us an email. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Until tomorrow's conversation, let's pray. Our great God and Father, uh, God, you, you are truly the next level love. We are so moved by this psalm. And, and Father, we relate and we see that, that whatever we have done in our, in our failings, our shortcomings, our sin and our wretchedness, we've done it. We're guilty. We're wrong. But Lord, we can turn to you and seek mercy and loving kindness because of your love. And Father, we need never doubt that you will not love us any more or any less today than any other time. We just look to Jesus and the cross, the propitiation made there. And Father, we can trust in your love. It gives us hope for all other things. 
Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.